0: Welcome to our Brave Feminine Leadership podcast. Welcome to the Bite-sized edition and my conversation with Peggy O'Neill. Join Peggy and I as we discuss the critical role that sport plays in lifting respect for women you know, gut feel, being perceived as too soft, deep community engagement and stepping away from an established and successful career when the learning stops. I could have continued this conversation for days. Peggy was named Melbourneian of the Year for 2021 and became chancellor of RMIT University in Melbourne in 2022. In 2019, she was made an officer of the Order of Australia for her service to Australian rules football, financial services, law and women in leadership. Peggy was also the president of the Richmond Football Club when they won three premierships in 2017, 19 and 2020. Peggy is so open, humble and a genuine inspiration. I hope you enjoy the, the bite-sized conversation, but I'm sure you'll want more. And so if you are, look for the conversation that Peggy O'Neill and I had as part of the Brave Feminine Leadership podcast. Let's get into the conversation. So if we land there, can you think of pivotal moments in your career that have shaped you, Peggy, along the way?
1: Well, as I mentioned earlier, I think uh, moving to Australia, mm. uh, as scary as it was, it made me think, um, well, you, you you can do that mm. and that you have to rethink uh, all the assumptions that you had about what you would be doing and where you would be living. And, um, and as much as you, as I liked the adventure of being overseas and always wanted to live somewhere other than as a tourist. Yes. I didn't know it'd be for life. <laughs> and it didn't mean I wasn't homesick because I left a pretty good situation, a uh, very close knit family. Um, but at the same time, I, I realized that almost every day was this big growth opportunity. Um, and uh, I didn't sort of start out every day going, "Wow, this is a chance to learn something." It was more like, "Well, I'll just go out and hope that I <laughs> that I, that I don't um, do something horrible and commit malpractice today." <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, so I think looking back on it, that was a big one. And um, uh, and for the first three years, it was really difficult to deal with homesickness. Mm-hmm. Um, but. At the same time, I was making friends, I was being integrated into the community. I had made a real effort to, to get out when I was waiting to go to uh, university because I had the assumption that everybody went to school on the same timetable that North America did. Of course. It never occurred to me. So I arrive in August thinking school will start in September and doesn't mm-hmm. start till February. Uh, so I had a bit of time, but immediately I thought, I can't sit around waiting for my you know then husband home from work mm-hmm. so I volunteered and that goes in what am I interested in so I volunteered at Amnesty International for quite a while made some friends people I still see but I thought I have to sort of find a place here I have to find something that I could have an anchor to and um, which means I need to meet people uh, and as soon as I can I'd like to get a job and that'll sort of increase the Uh, the group of people that I know and and I can understand the place a little bit better absolutely but every time I thought I've got a handle on this (laughs) I realized Australia was quite different than the United States and um, uh, as a tourist you think well we speak English and generally it's the same but um, but culturally the more you're here the more different it is very different Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, so I think that was probably the big one Um, I think another one was Again, career-related was um, uh, deciding that I didn't want to be a partner in a law firm anymore and that I wanted to start out on another uh, career, being on yes. boards, um, working you know, part-time as a lawyer. And stepping so out as a partner was because um, I said that to, I never set out for that to be an achievement. And I realized that once you're in as a partner, it's equally hard to get out. Huh. <laughs> Because you have responsibilities. You know, I, I had wonderful clients and I adored working for them. Uh, but then I, I was also thinking, I'm helping other people with their careers, but I'm not learning anything new. Mm-hmm. And I really want to have a decade to, to start something new. So I'll play the long game, I'll see what happens. And, um, and people had told me that until you step out of the law, you won't be taken seriously as you're really going to do something else because um, you'll always have, you know, your clients will be their big yes. their big responsibility. And um, so I, I did that and, and things started coming my way just as they predicted. And, uh, and the first couple of boards I was asked to join, I stayed with them for you know, nine year maximum um, for both of them. And then other things started coming my way. So I've, I've been fortunate. Um, there's some things you know you apply for and you don't get, um, but uh, but generally I've been able to be involved with things I'm really interested in and, um, and that's, you know, energising.
0: I just wonder if there's something in the water with all these incredible female presidents and the success that they're having uh, leading, leading AFL clubs. You're an incredibly humble leader um, and so I know when I ask these questions, you'll defer to the team around you, but I really would love to understand... You know, do you think there's anything um, that you've brought to the role, so style or traits or otherwise, um, that might be considered feminine um, traits? Do you think there's anything in that that has contributed
1: to this extraordinary success? Um, well, I, I guess it, you think about personal qualities and, and I and in a way, perhaps just by being a woman, you regard them as feminine. Yes. Um, but I think in a larger sort of view of things that a lot of traditional men's sport have been feminized. I mean, the idea about be who you are, uh, talk about your, uh, your fears, uh, be vulnerable, rely on your teammates. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, what's related to me that as little as 10 years ago, it's like, oh, no, you can't, you got to be the tough guy and you can't talk about what's going on at home and you can't do all of that. Um, it, but maybe that's a different generation of young men coming through. Yes. Um, but but when I was became president, I realized that maybe this is why I ended up liking law so much <laughs> is um, I my first reaction, if I'm thwarted in some way, isn't to get angry. I'm pretty unflappable. I mm-hmm. sort of go, mm, let me understand this a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't mean that inside you're not sort of fluttery if someone you think, oh, they're attacking me personally. Yes. Or um, but, but I think that that's sort of held it in, held me in good stead that it's like, well, we'll just we'll just keep going and we'll just see and nothing we don't have to rush to make a decision we'll take our time and let's get all the information and and so there's maybe I was suited to the law because that is sort of in my nature Mm -hmm. um uh, and uh, I remember in one interview and the word unflappable came and I just thought I just don't get too upset about things um and not to the extent of making rash decisions. Yes, And I've always thought that if you lose your good judgment because of emotion, good or bad, uh, you'll probably regret it in a couple of days.
0: <laughs> I love that. I was going to draw attention to that sort of comment that you made and you've just reinforced it yourself around Um, stepping into the role, realising that you don't have to step in as this image of what you or other people think that role is supposed to be. You know, you you went in as you.
1: Yeah, and um, because we often, and this is, I guess, part of everybody's, um, you know, the unconscious biases that we have about, you know, you should look like this, that role is filled by somebody who's done these particular things. And so we limit our um, uh, we limit our imagination in a way. Um, instead of thinking about who who could do the job, it's like, but they also have to be this. They have to look yes. like this, and um, and so I, I thought I probably challenged a lot of people's idea of what a president should look like, um, just because there hadn't been one before. And then when you hang in there and and uh, like I say, there's a lot of gloss that comes when, and a lot of gold dust attributed to you when success comes. And and no, I I know I did my part, but yeah. it wasn't solely because of me. Obviously, it's it's everything has to work together. And so when people say, oh well, you know, it'll it'll be awful when now it's it's awful when you leave. I go, like, no, it won't be. You know. Every, everything else is still there. It'll be a great person who comes in and has a lot of fun and gets to do this instead. Um, but, and that person won't look like me. That person will be their own person. And so we gotta let people be their own person and give them a chance. And sometimes it's uh, people, one don't like, they didn't, they didn't like change when I came in and they won't like change when I leave, um, but it'll all be fine.
0: How have you known what to say no to on the way through your career?
1: Well, I think I've I've relied a bit on just my first reaction. Mm -hmm. Um, Is this something you could see yourself doing or uh, how much time does it take? Uh, Who else is involved with that organization? What's its reputation? so that sometimes just answered the question. Um, and then other times things came that I'd never expected, like these education organization opportunities. And I thought, oh, well, I might want to investigate that. That's, that's, that's worth thinking about. Um, and so a lot of it has just been, "Mm, no, that just doesn't, Something that doesn't interest me, but I just don't think I want to be involved with that. Um, and sometimes the time commitment sort of took care of itself. Like, no, I, I really have promised, you know, six years to this organization and I'm glad to see that through. Um, so it's, it's you know, a bit of measuring your values, seeing what time commitment. Um, and I always think if my heart doesn't sort of leap at, oh, wow, then that's probably an indication I don't want to really do it. <laughs> and I and I've been fortunate that many things come to me, um, uh, and and I've had a variety of of things that I could have taken up, and and I've ended up with some wonderful organizations.
0: Um, you said something else that's really stayed with me, Peggy, around realizing your job isn't you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's a bit about being willing to take on things and failing doesn't mean that you're a failure as a person. Now, it doesn't mean you don't get your feelings hurt. It doesn't mean that you're not disappointed and you sit around and go, oh, could I have done something better? Um, but it isn't, it's it's not me. There'll be other things that are me, but I, think a, a, I don't think you can identify too much and still have a healthy a re- respect yeah. um, if you identify with the job and that the um, your success or or deficiencies in that job means that you as a person are good or bad you can't be that invested in that um, and I was terribly invested in doing the right thing for my clients uh, when I was practicing law and I loved it but if I would lost that job other than saying well well, I need to get a job so I can pay the mortgage. Um, I, I don't think I've ever been so close to a job that I would have thought that meant I was a bad person. And that might've come from early in my law school life uh, because in America, you go to law school after you do an undergraduate degree. Mm-hmm. So, um, so by the time you get to law school, you've been at least your fifth year. Uh, and some people have been out and worked and come back and did it and all of that but um, but, I went to a fantastic law school in America, the University of Virginia, and it takes really high caliber students. I was a, a state- based student in Virginia, so I got some dispensation <laughs> but uh, but I remember um everyone was so used to being top of the class. everyone was so used you mm-hmm. know i mean there were, this was people who'd been Harvard and physics, mathematics, and all this and they come down and And uh, I remember our professor said to us before the first semester grades were released, they called us all together, all the first years of law, and said, uh, you know, some of you will really have a, will get a a hard blow today when you get your grades, but it has nothing to do with you as a person. Mm. It has nothing to do with you as a person. So you'll just get on with it, or you'll decide you want to do something else, but don't take it personally. It just isn't for you. <laughs> and uh, and from time to time, I've had to have that conversation with young people who've worked with me that mm-hmm. this just isn't the place for you. It doesn't mean that you won't go on and find your spot, and you'll be appreciated, and it may not be law. It may be something else. Mm-hmm. But I think that conversation is important to have with yourself from time to time when you... And I think it's also important to think if I'm that upset about where I am, or I'm still just is um, it's the wrong place, you know, that yes. to, to know when to leave is important as well, because you need to find a place where you can do good work and people appreciate you. Um, if in your career, because we all want meaningful work and we all want to have meaningful lives and work is an important part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but it can't be that, you don't feel you have value as a person unless you're successful at your job. And uh, and that's often that fear of failure. Mm. Um, and nobody wants to fail. Um, but it just means most of the time that's the wrong place for you to do your best.
0: Peggy, I could talk for hours. The audience could listen well, for hours. Well, I've uh, about it. You don't. Not at <laughs> all. Um, but uh, I've already taken far more of your time than I thought I would. Um, But I do want to ask the last question I ask of everybody, and that is from your perspective, what does brave feminine leadership mean and do you think it needs to change?
1: Well, brave feminine leadership I think is only possible if you're given the space to lead and if you're given the spot to be brave, to walk into situations where perhaps no one else has, um, I know the slogan is often, you can't be what you can't see, but anyone who's been first has had to figure out how to do that. And I think that's the bit of bravery. Um, And it usually falls on women. There there are other people or types of people or people with different backgrounds who might be a first, but largely our society, that's where the feminine comes in. So um, I think to be a leader, you have to be given a chance. Um, I think the bravery comes in where you step in and go where perhaps no one's gone before, or you help someone else go where no one's gone before. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that the bravery is when leadership opportunity presents itself, you take it.
0: Thanks so much for listening. If you've loved these conversations and you wanna join in and be part of the Brave Feminine Leadership community and fill yourself up with inspiration, there are lots of ways you can find us. Our website is bravefeminineleadership.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook if you look at at Brave Feminine Leadership or find us on LinkedIn and connect and become part of an incredible community of senior professionals. Come and join us, can't wait to see you there.